isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. You're listening to Live Free Creative, an intentional podcast with practical tips for living your life on purpose. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson, and I believe in creativity, adventure, curiosity, and the magic of small moments. I hope that every time you listen, you feel empowered and free to live the life that you want. Hello, welcome back to the Free Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson. Today, you're listening to episode number 251, and I'm recording live here in Nosara, Costa Rica, where my family has spent the last few weeks. Today's episode is going to be a little bit of a walk through our first half of our trip, maybe the first 10 days of our trip. I know that I usually like to share some intentional pieces of advice or tips or or new understanding that can pique your curiosity about different topics. Today's episode and next week's episode are going to be kind of of a review of our family's trip. I know I've had a, a bunch of people ask about our itinerary. I know that it's daunting to plan a family trip, especially a long one or a big one going to somewhere that you may have never been before. And so hopefully you'll glean some information and some inspiration from the from what I share these next couple of weeks, even though it's not going to be like a targeted themed lesson per se, like my episodes tend to be generally, there's not going to be like three ways to have fun in Costa Rica with your family. These episodes are going to be more storytelling and uh, sharing some experiences and interesting things that we've seen and done. You can just imagine that we are meeting for lunch at our local favorite restaurant. And after we order and grab our giant diet cokes with lime with crushed ice uh, you say hey how was how was the first part of your trip this episode will be my response of course this is still a live free creative podcast so i'm going to start with a quick segment this one will be peaks of the week i thought i would share some of the go-to items that we've loved having on this trip so far, some Costa Rica slash tropical beach related products that I either haven't been using for very long and I've been really impressed with or things that I'm really happy we brought. I'm going to start with something that I discovered last summer and I just keep feeling like these are such a cool product. They're called Nomadics towels. They're 
very lightweight sort of microfiber beach towels. They're, they roll up really tight. They dry out fairly quickly and they're they're virtually sandproof. So you can lay it out on the beach on dry sand. And when you stand up and shake it off a little bit to dry off, the sand hasn't like clumped up inside the fibers of the towel because it's so flat, I guess, or the type of microfiber they use. I bought a bunch of them last year for my summer camp. I gave them away as part of the sort of welcome kit for summer camp. And as part of that, ordered some so that each person in my family had one. So we have five nomadics beach towels, and I have brought them to the pool, to the river. I I mostly love them for the beach. Like they're really, really great for the beach. They're fun for camping and for going to the pool and other things. But there's something about the being able to easily shake off the sand, having them dry really quickly and pack lightly. I can put all five of them in my beach bag, you know, where everyone else is carrying something different to the beach and fit five beach towels into a little raffia beach bag. It's pretty great. So I will link those in the show notes. I love them and I'm so glad that we brought them. I will mention that everywhere that we've stayed has included beach or pool towels as part of the accommodations. Right now we are staying in a in a beach house right by the beach and they have beach towels, pool towels, and shower towels. And the beach towels that they've provided are really great. They're they're thin Turkish towels. They're really beautiful. And I prefer the Nomadics towels because they stay cleaner and sandproof longer and more easily. So I'm glad that we brought them. I already mentioned another peak of the week, which is this Raffia Beach Tote. I found it in Morocco, so I'm not going to be able to link the, the exact thing that I bought because I found it at a market in Marrakesh. When I was looking at it, though, I was kind of succumbing to the pressure of all of my sisters and my mom. We all bought them and we bought them for our daughters as well. And we had them personalized for our daughters, which was so cute. So Plum has her little raffia beach bag and I have mine. Mine is a big square and it's really cute. It's really beachy looking, but I didn't realize until I started taking it to the beach how amazing it is to have something that is waterproof and sandproof on the beach. I can toss in our towels, water bottles, Um, I usually bring the Kindle and sunglasses and some extra sunscreen and I sit it on the sand and everything, because it's sturdy, everything stays in there intact really easily. And when I bring it home, all the sand just falls out of the bottom. Like it's been amazing. So I take that to the beach every time we go, which is every day these last few weeks. And I will find something similar to share so that you get an idea of what I'm talking about. A couple of things that I'm keeping in my beach bag are my Kindle Kids Paperwhite. I have done it. I've I've hopped the fence to being a Kindle person. I'm so happy that I took the plunge before this trip. Uh, last month, we spent a week in Outer Banks and I packed an entire, basically like a duffel bag full of books that I had gotten at the library before the trip. And I read a fiction beach read a day while we were there. So I finished eight books during the week. And I realized there's just no way I'm going to be able to keep up with the amount of fun reading that I like to do in the summer when we're in Costa Rica. I can't bring an entire checked suitcase full of books. So many people recommended a Kindle. I've resisted for years because I really do love the feel and smell and and experience of reading a, a book. And I've been really surprised how adaptable I've been converting to the Kindle. I love that it's not 
on my phone or on another like brightly lit blue lit device. Um, my friend Jansen Bradshaw recommended the kids paper white because it's the same device, the same actual technology and the same Kindle itself as the adult one, but it's less expensive. And it comes with a case, which I don't love the cover, like the cover style of the case. So I've just covered mine with stickers and that's worked for me. And they, it's really kind of cool and funky and I have loved it. I've gone through and I, we also uh, have Kindle unlimited as part of our prime membership anyway. And so I, have read dozens of books, and as soon as I finish one, I can return it to the shelf and grab another one. I haven't been very picky. I'm reading just like some of the bestsellers or the highly recommended ones. A lot of the books that I'm picking are things that I haven't ever heard of before that are just available, and that's fine with me for right now. So I'm loving the kids' Kindle Paperwhite. I will link that in the show notes so you can see what I'm talking about. I got one for each of my kids because we're trying to do a screen-free vacation, and it's gone fairly well. We are doing some movie nights and the occasional show on the TV at the beach house. But for the most part, there's been no, there haven't been any video games. There hasn't been much. We severely restricted my teenager's iPhone. So the kids have been using their Kindles as their go-to device. And I love that. It's been really great. So I love the um, Kindle kids paper whites. The other things that I'm tossing in my beach bag daily and that we used even when we were in the mountains are sun bum sunscreen and this special Picarin insect repellent that I found online. So I'm going to talk a little bit about both of those just quickly. I am not usually super picky when it comes to sunscreen. If people have it around, it's great. I fell in love with sun bum here in Costa Rica a couple years ago, though. It smells delicious. It's all vegan, gluten-free, and reef compliant. And I just have been really impressed with it. So we have some spray. We have some actual like body lotion. Sometimes I feel like it's um, more protective. Maybe like maybe you just get it on better if you put lotion on. I love their face mist. It's a very lightweight mist that if you've been out on the beach, you know, and you're kind of sandy and salty, you don't want to... It's kind of hard to reapply, but the face mist makes it so you can just spritz, 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 and at least your face and some more sensitive areas can be, you know, get kind of their re-up of 50 sunscreen. Um, and I also love their after sun lotion, which I got for the first time for this trip. I keep it in the fridge. I, you don't have to. It just is nice when you're, you want to soothe a little bit of some over sun body, you know, whether it's a sunburn or you're just feeling a little bit of sun fatigue on your skin, their after sun lotion, when it's cold just feels like a dream. It's amazing. So I've been super impressed and I am a huge sun bum fan. I've been tossing those into the beach bag along with this Percarin insect repellent. I looked for what is the most effective, easy to find, deep free repellent for being in the rainforest. And this I don't know. I probably read an article that explained a lot of different ones, but this Picarin one has been working really well. So I will say we are still getting the occasional mosquito bite, especially when we're up in the in the rainforest areas, the cloud forest. But it doesn't smell weird. I feel like it's okay. I mean, it's a it's a chemical still, but I feel like it's done a really good job. I bought six bottles to bring with us and we've gone through them and we are like on our last bottle and we go home in a week. So it's about perfect maybe depending on where you are about a bottle a week for a family works well. And I'll link that. Um, I feel like it's been great to have. I'm happy that we brought it. And the last thing that I wanted to share that I've just loved are these rubber Birkenstocks. I love Birkenstocks anyway. I found 
last summer I got the thong version, like the T-strap um, rubber ones. They're really inexpensive. They're like $25 maybe. I got mine at Dick's Sporting Goods. And I love that these ones feel really secure on my foot. They're not just like a regular flip-flop. They have like a strap over the the top of your foot and then the T-strap that goes in between your toes. So they look really cute. They're also super waterproof. They feel like clouds when I'm walking on them. And I've been able to walk over the rocky roads, go on some small hikes with them. I feel like they're an excellent beach and water shoe, not to like keep on your feet if you were running a river or like if you're swimming in a waterfall and you need to have shoes on, I would keep to a Teva or something for that. But they've been my favorite every single day shoe here on the strip. So I will link those as well. Those, my friends, are my Costa Rica peaks of the week. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the first part of our trip, what I have been calling Anderson's Pura Vida Adventure. Pura Vida is Spanish for pure life. It's a phrase that people use all the time in Costa Rica and really describes sort of the beautiful, calm, being one with nature, caring for the environment, being present in your life sort of energy that exists here in this country. Just for a quick overview I lived in Costa Rica in a, in a city called Nicoya, which is on the Guanacaste Peninsula, when I was in college. After my first year of college, I took a semester off of school, moved to Costa Rica for a semester with the sole purpose of learning Spanish. I went to a Spanish immersion school. I lived with a family nearby where I could walk to school and then walk back to their house where they fed me and had conversations with me, even though I could barely understand for the first few weeks. And I got more adept at Spanish as time went on and made it through the program, came home speaking fairly fluently and feeling really confident with my ability to now like move on and converse and practice with people outside of the classroom. I returned to Costa Rica about a year later for a 10-day backpacking trip with a couple girlfriends from college and we had such an incredible experience went back to some of my favorite places that I had loved when I had been here for a semester and also discovered some new places that I really enjoyed so Costa Rica was high on my list of feeling like home feeling familiar somewhere that I knew I wanted to return to over again fast forward several years um my my parent family, my home family of origin, planned a family reunion on the beaches of Costa Rica. At the time, I was pregnant with Plum, and we had Milo and Elliot, and I was married, of course. So Dave and my my family came to Costa Rica for probably another week or 10 days, uh, stayed on a beach in a different part of the country than I was familiar with, a little further north in Playa Hermosa. We stayed in these twin beach houses and had such an amazing time. And then after everyone else went home, Dave and I had extended our trip by a few days so that we could really relax in a resort with the boys, um, which was awesome. It was the first time that we had opted for an all-inclusive resort as a family. And we were like, this is the life as our boys just like ordered endless nachos at the pool and we could like lounge and it just was really wonderful. It was a great cap on that experience, on that adventure to Costa Rica. And then we've been wanting to get back ever since. So a couple years ago, Dave and I came for our 15 year wedding anniversary and explored a couple new places. We went to La Fortuna. We went to Arenal Volcano, which is in the middle of the country. And we came out to Nosara, which I had heard about and was intrigued by and was excited about. It's a, it's a small sort of hippie vibes beach town. It's a lot smaller than some of the bigger 
beach areas a little further north. Playa Tamarindo is a big beach and Playa Flamingo. And this was a little more out of the way. It's a little bit sleepier of a town. And we really enjoyed our time here. And that's when I started planning for the retreat that I'm hosting this fall, a couple's retreat to Costa Rica, an adventure and connection retreat that I'm thrilled is coming together beautifully. And also when we decided we needed to bring our family here. For years, Dave and I have talked about wanting to teach our kids Spanish, have cultural immersion experiences with them, and also bring them to somewhere for an extended period of time that they could kind of nestle in. And because of the pandemic, everything got pushed back a few years. And this year, we finally were able to make it happen. So last fall, we started planning this trip. We found a great beach house that we were excited about. We you know, made sure our schedules lined up. Dave's job is flexible enough that he can work remotely. And so he's been doing hybrid work while we're here. And, you know, of course, my job has always been fairly flexible because I can do what I want, even though I'm sitting in our rental car outside the beach house recording this podcast episode. (laughs) You know, it's as flexible as I want it to be. And uh, we started to plan for real. So I wanted to come and spend a long time in the same place so that we could develop a little bit of a rhythm. We could really relax into the vacation, but also do it more affordably in an Airbnb where we're cooking and we're, you know, going to the beach and going to the pool rather than going on big excursions every single day. There's sort of a balance on vacation that we found of if you want to like do full tourist mode, it's usually high energy and more expensive. And if you are willing to kind of settle into long-term tourist or more like living a little bit more local feeling you can't really ever I mean it takes a long time to actually be a local but to have a little bit more local appeal that uh, is usually a little bit less expensive and a little bit more calm relaxed you're not you know looking for all the things to do you're kind of just being okay walking to the beach every day so we knew that we wanted a little bit of both this trip and the easiest way we found to swing it was to spend our first week doing what I called adventure week where we came a week before our rental began and spent the first week doing full adventure mode where we packed in the activities we were driving to different places around the country and then we knew once we landed at the beach that we would just settle in and relax and enjoy being at the beach for the last part of the trip so today in in this episode I want to share the first part of our trip which is kind of that first eight to ten days where we were on high adventure mode and I'll share where we went and and some of the things that we chose to do and then next week I'm going to share about the downtime the rhythms of being on the beach and some of our favorite things about being here in Nosara. We decided to fly to San Jose which is the center of the country. It's kind of like pinpoint in the middle of the country because the flights were so much less expensive. We flew direct while we were if you listen to a couple weeks ago the episode about our getting here we were supposed to fly direct from Washington DC to San Jose and because I missed our flights we ended up having a layover on the way here through San Salvador, but on the way home, we'll fly direct. And so it was nice to, as a whole family, know that we had a direct flight. It's only about four and a half hours from where we live on the East Coast to San Jose. But once you get to San Jose, you're not really nearby the beaches or the volcanoes. You're kind of right in the middle. And so we opted to rent a car and keep it for the whole month, which has been a great decision. It's allowed us a lot of 
uh, freedoms that we otherwise would have wouldn't have had as we were trying to, you know, if we had been figuring out transportation the whole time. So it was really nice to rent a car. One thing to note about renting a car in Costa Rica, though, is that the main highways are paved and pretty well maintained. Anything off of a main highway, which is like most of the roads in the country are not a main highway, are usually dirt roads. Sometimes you cross actual rivers, like where you have to drive, you know, up to the you know, partway up the tire through water, you know, moving water. Um, so if you're not feeling super confident about your driving abilities or your comfort level driving in a different country, then I would think hard about it because you definitely need a four-wheel drive if you're going anywhere in the mountains or the beach. And it just gets a little bit, it's a, it's an adventure in and of itself, the driving piece. We rented a car and drove straight from the airport up to a place called Buena Vista Lodge that I have been to. This was my third time going, and I have great memories of every time that I've been there. I was so excited to bring the kids. The first time I went was 20 years ago. So that's how long this lodge has been operating with some of the same features. They've added a bunch of new things now, which we got to experience. It's about a two and a half to three hour drive from San Jose, and it is up near a volcano called Rincón de la Vieja, which is the volcano of the old woman, basically. Rincón de la Vieja is uh, up in the northwestern part of the country, and it borders uh, Nicaragua. Uh, and it's this really beautiful, very jungle-feeling, rainforest-feeling uh, area where there's tons of birds, tons of animals, <laughs> It's like kind of a wild outback, which is why that's where there are canopy tours and um, river running tours and hot springs. The the thermal dynamics of the the different volcanoes. There's several volcanoes in Costa Rica, and there's a lot of thermal activity around them. Rincón de la Vieja is an active volcano. It doesn't spew lava, but it does um, put off gases and occasional like uh, charcoal dust and things like that. Um, and because of that, nearby, there's a big energy uh, plant where they're capturing and retrieving the the energy from the thermal activity to use to power the country. I found out this trip that 90% of the energy, the electricity used in Costa Rica is captured in Costa Rica through natural sources, thermal energy, water, and wind primarily. So really fascinating how they're able to, it's such a small country with 5% of the world's biodiversity, which is plants and animals and insects, 5% of the entire world's biodiversity lives in this tiny country in Central America. And they, they basically self energize with, by capturing the clean energy here in the country, which is pretty awesome. I think as a country, it's been a huge priority for them. And um, as individuals, talking to a lot of the people that we've had a chance to talk to, guides and our Spanish instructors at Spanish school and um, some, some other local folks that we've had a chance to get to know, those are really high priorities individually and as communities and as a country. So that's part of why they're doing such a great job of it. In fact, at Buena Vista, uh, on our last day there, we spent three days there, we were able to tour their organic farm. And one of the things that they have happening on the farm is methane, a methane gas converter. So it's a, it's basically poop power. They take the, the manure from the cows and the horses and, um, and they shovel it once a day into this system and it goes in 
to where the methane gas that is like an off gas from all of the manure rises to the top of this big giant industrial looking bubble and then it's piped out into where it can be used for cooking fuel to power ovens and to um, to heat for cooking in the kitchen. It's pretty awesome. All of that to say, this is a really cool country and a really cool area of the country up here in Rincón de la Vieja. The Buena Vista Lodge is an older area, so that we actually stayed on the property and we opted to do a package. You can stay and then like individually buy the water slide or the zip line, and I just went for it and decided to do a two-night stay with this package that was the essential package and it basically for one price included everything all of the activities that we wanted to do as well as all of our meals I loved just knowing in advance what it was going to cost and just paying for it up front and knowing that we now had our free reign of the property and we could do all of the different things that we were there to do over the couple days and so we really did pack it in and it was really great to do that because they only allow up to four people in the rooms, there's two queen beds in each of the rooms. We actually ended up staying in two rooms that were in the same house connected. It was like a little duplex down by one of their little lakes, about a five minute walk from the main lodge. And that worked out fine for us. Uh, The boys stayed in one room, Plum and Dave and I stayed in the other one. Our doors were right next to each other. And although the rooms themselves weren't connected, they were all in the same building. And so it felt fine. The boys loved having their own room. It was really funny to watch them interact in their own kind of space. And we, the first day that we got there, we just got there in time to check in, kind of walk around and see things and then have a great dinner. And the food was awesome. So we had a great dinner on site, wandered down and went to sleep. The next morning was like a full adventure day. We started with a canopy tour where we walked on these hanging bridges through the cloud forest. This was new for me at Buena Vista. They didn't have this the last time we were there. And it was really cool to be able to be up in the trees. Our guide was really attentive and paid attention to detail. And he was able to point out uh, some animals and insects that we otherwise wouldn't have seen and some birds. We saw um, a bunch of monkeys and a kawadi and uh, several different kinds of birds on that walk. And heard a lot about the trees we heard about the ficus vines how they they latch on to a mother tree and grow up the tree and then drop vines down and over the years they end up wrapping and and actually choking out the main tree and the ficus that was originally a vine like a parasitic vine becomes the tree and they're these huge ficus trees that essentially took over the base of of a different tree to form just wild and and really incredible at the end of our tour he showed us a termite's nest and tapped on it until there were termites crawling on his hand and told us about how much protein termites have and offered us all termites so we all tapped on the termite you know this is a this is like a rainforest termite it's not like the termites in your house and we all tasted termites they crawled on our fingers and it's there's a little bit of a weird feeling of it crawling on your finger and you opting to put it in your mouth rather than like shake it off but they tasted really good (laughs) they were kind of woody almost like chewing on grass or chewing on a little like a little twig uh, which makes sense because they eat these you know these rainforest trees and apparently they're just a huge source of of nutrition and protein and when uh, our guide was telling us when people get lost in the rainforest if they're out 
you know, wandering or, or they are trying to survive, that if they can find a termite's nest, that they can, they can stay alive for a lot longer because it provides essential nutrition. So we tried termites first thing in the morning. And then uh, the next activity that we went for, we went and woke up our teenager who had decided to sleep in rather than do the canopy walk. We went and got him and we all went on the jungle water slide. This water slide is so long. It probably takes a full like 30 or 40 seconds from the top to the bottom. That's how long it is. And it's made of concrete that's set down the hill. So it's on a hill. And if you have ever been to Park City or heard of the Alpine slide, it reminds me of that where the track for the water slide is actually set into the mountainside. So the incline is determined by the ground beneath it. You don't feel like you're going to fall out, for example, like at a water park where you are you climb up a huge staircase and then it's like a freestanding waterfall. This one's in the ground. You still have to climb up the hill. There's a pathway up and you take a inner tube, which kind of protects you from the edge, like from the sides of the concrete slide. And uh, you also wear a helmet and you walk up a long trail. It feels like a, a nice workout to get to the top. And then you sit down in the water slide and a door closes behind you on the water system. And there's a big filling tank and they tell you, do you want to go slow, medium, or fast? And depending on your answer is how full they will fill this tank with the door behind you. And then when you're ready to go, they open it up and that gush of water propels you down the slide and keeps you soaring down the water slide all the way until you finish in a pool at the bottom. It is a rush. It's hilarious. It's a little bit scary and you feel like what is happening here, but also I've done it now several times and I've been safe and the kids all did it and they were safe and it's just fun and funny and a really unique experience. So that's one thing that we love at Buena Vista Lodge. After we all rode the water slide several times, I think we had three turns each and we took full advantage of those. We dried off and went to lunch and our lunch was a buffet on this overlook. There's three different restaurants on site and we walked about 10 minutes over to this overlook where we ate on a deck that was on the edge of a mountainside basically with this giant view of the valley and it was really amazing we could see the vultures soaring below us that's how high up in terms of elevation we were it was really cool the food again was great I was glad that we had just paid for everything in advance and we could just take advantage of it and after lunch we went on our first horseback ride of the trip it was really fun. Plum was a little nervous at first and the guide was really great with her. He just said, you don't have to worry about steering. I'll hold on to your horse's rope. And, you know, of course, these trail ride horses are so used to just walking the trail. You almost don't need to hold on. They know where they're going. They just follow the horse in front of them. So everyone was safe and it was really beautiful. We went off the main road for a while and we're kind of up in the hills. Um, almost felt like we were in a like a canopy or a tunnel of, of trees and leaves. At one point, uh, we saw tons of birds and butterflies. And th it's at this point, we got up to the very top of a hill on the edge of the property. And, and our guide pointed out the, the thermal plant, like the power plant that is using the energy from the volcano, which is really cool to hear about. Everyone had a great time. It was really fun. We were then ready for the zip line. And we had 
our middle son opted out of the zip line. He had no interest in zipping through the jungle on a wire. And so the other two and Dave and I went to do the zip line and Plum got a little nervous. She got up on that first platform and was just like, I don't think I'm going to do this. I don't want to like, <laughs> you know, it can look a little scarier up high. And uh, if you're unsure about being clipped into a harness, that's all kind of a new feeling. So she was really nervous. And I said, okay, well, I'll walk with you. And so the boys took off on doing this zip line tour. There were about seven lines total. They're all pretty long. And so we knew where the end was because of our walk on the hanging bridges in the morning. We had gone past the last canopy, the, the last zip line platform. So Plum and I wandered over there and it took us about 25 minutes. We were walking slowly and on the way we saw uh, a tree of white-faced monkeys, cappuccin monkeys. And it was really fun because we hadn't seen those yet. We had seen a few different groups of spider monkeys and we had seen some howlers, which are two of the three types of monkeys in Costa Rica. But white-faced monkeys are a little bit at least in that area or in the areas where I've been, they're a little bit trickier to see. So it was really fun. And it was just kind of a quiet moment in the forest with Plum and I. There was no one else around. We were just making our way over to the zip lines. It was really fun to see those. We got to the other zip line and they were waiting for us. And Plum had said she was going to give it a try for the very last line. And the guide let her ride with me, which was interesting because I wasn't really sure of my ability to like taxi her. That's something the guides usually do. But the guy said, you look strong, you can do this. And so he essentially clipped Plum onto my lap. And then we did the last zip line together. And it was really great to give her that experience, to have her feel comfortable doing it with me. And at the end of that, you know, long line, she said, that was so fun. I can't wait to do that again. So just giving her a little bit of confidence, letting her do it at her own pace and to just do one line instead of all seven was really generous of the guides. Milo was over the moon. He was looking like a pro by the end, which is really awesome. Dave had a great time and we finished up feeling like the zip line was a huge uh, success. We walked over and picked up Elliot, who had been just hanging out in the cabin by himself reading his Kindle while we were on the zip line. And we all got on the tractor to ride down to the thermal hot springs. This is one of my favorite places in the whole country. The Buena Vista Lodge hot springs area is just nestled right into the jungle next to a cold river so you get to like hear and see the river going by the way that it's set up there are about five or six different pools of different temperatures all within this one area and they also have a a steam room like a a wet sauna and a mud pit like a, a thermal lava mud area where they have these big tubs of volcanic mud and it's hot. I mean, you have to keep your fingers on the top of it because if you dig your hand down in there, it'll get burned. It's pretty, it's hot thermal mud. And the idea is that you can have a little bit of a spa treatment on your own. It's a DIY spa day. You rub the mud, the the thermal mud on your face and your body. There's a platform where you can let it dry for a little while. There's outdoor showers. You can rinse it off when you're ready. And then you can start to soak in the hot springs. I love hot tubs. I love hot water. I love hot springs. This just feels like a pinnacle of all of it. I loved sitting in the wet sauna and just being like enveloped in this really thick tropical humidity that feels healing. I mean, it's a little bit uncomfortable and feels really healing. And then the pools are just gorgeous. They're 
hot. So the the closest one to the thermal springs is the hottest, and they all all have temperatures on them in Celsius. So I don't I don't know. I guess I could calculate it, but I'm guessing that the the hottest is about 105 degrees. Uh, and then they go down from there to the very bottom one. They kind of go down a little stair-step area. There's plenty of space in all of them. We were with a tractor full of people, so there were probably 18 people on our tractor, and we saw people while we were there at the hot springs, but we weren't soaking in the same pool as anyone ever because there's enough space to spread out. There's a place you can go get drinks. The kids all got virgin pina coladas, and we're sipping on their pina coladas while we're sitting in the hot springs. It's just magical and really relaxing and feels really therapeutic as it's meant to. So I love it, love it, love it. Buena Vista is a great place to do a bunch of things all at once, as you can hear. And uh, after we soaked in the hot springs for a while, we took the tractor back up, had a fantastic dinner, and got ready to leave the next day. So we stayed for half of the day. Then the following day, we slept there for two nights and we had a great breakfast. And then we did this farm tour. And I loved seeing the animals They had a bunch of different animals and plants and a great garden. I really loved seeing the bee section. The guide who took us around the farm is a a bioengineer or something, a naturalist, but also with um, education in like basically farm engineering, maybe agricultural engineering. He was really knowledgeable and he told us all about these five different kinds of bees. These are different varieties of bees that are stingerless and it was so fascinating i'd never seen bees this tiny they looked like little tiny flies but he said these are really important pollinators and um here's how they're you know they have these different types of nests that they make and it was really cool that's where he showed us the poop power machine too at the end and all in all just felt like a complete experience so many different fun activities so you know, the ability to relax and enjoy family time and also be out doing things that we were excited to do that feel really Costa Rican, you know, the jungle water slide and doing zip lines is something that people really do here and the hot springs. It all felt really awesome and fun to introduce the kids to all of that, you know, old enough for them to remember it. The boys had actually done the zip lines when they were toddlers when we were here when they were young and so we have memories and pictures of them um Elliot doesn't remember it. he was two at the time and he rode the whole thing with a with a guide like with a taxi uh so it, it was an interesting sort of circle to be back here as a family and and have everyone just really love it we needed to drive that afternoon we decided to spend one night kind of in the midpoint between where we were, which is up on Rincon de la Vieja, and where we were headed, which is um, Bihawa, a different area uh, still up north where we were going to do some different activities and stay at a different lodge. In the middle is a city called Liberia. Liberia is where you want to fly to if you're planning on doing the West Coast beaches, like the Guanacaste beaches of Costa Rica. That's where we'll fly into when we come for Novios in November. It's just closer to everything. So the reason we didn't fly there this time is because it was so much more expensive and you couldn't get there with a direct flight and we had all the kids. But in the fall, we just just the two of us. So we are paying a little bit more and um, we don't mind having a layover to get there because once you land, you're closer to everything. The other thing that's nice about Liberia is a little bit bigger city. So we were able to like easily find lunch and 
we wanted to see the Barbie movie. This is just like perfect timing that the Barbie movie had just come out. And I looked it up and there was a movie theater that showed one English movie. We could have gone in Spanish, but I wanted Plum. Plum was really excited. And so I knew that she'd have a, a an easier experience if it was in English with Spanish subtitles, which is what we ended up getting tickets for. And so we went to the Barbie movie in Liberia. And my favorite part about the movie... I mean, the movie's a whole other thing that we can talk about a different time. But my favorite part about being at the theater, I thought this was like a special thing for the Barbie movie. They had popcorn, they had regular butter salt popcorn, and then they had cinnamon sugar kettle corn. And you could buy straight sweet corn, straight salty corn, or a mixed box. We got the mixed box, and this was my favorite movie popcorn experience ever. Imagine crunching on sweet cinnamon sugar popcorn and buttery salted popcorn. Like, such a good combination. I found out later from uh, our my Spanish instructor here in Nosara that that's typical of all movie theaters in Costa Rica. It wasn't like a Barbie movie special, which is what I was expecting. That's just, if you go to a movie in Costa Rica, you get to have cinnamon kettle corn. So, pretty awesome. I don't normally go on movies on vacation. Uh, sometimes I do. And turns out it was a really fun cultural experience to add to this vacation. After that night, we stayed nearby Liberia. And then in the morning on our way up to La Carolina Lodge, which is where we stayed the next couple nights, we stopped in at a little rescue center called Las Pumas Rescate or Las Pumas Rescue Center. It was just on the Google map. I I noticed it as like a highlight on the map as I was looking at the, the directions we would take up to La Carolina Lodge. And I'm so glad that we stopped. It was about $12 for a ticket to go around and see the animals. And each of the animals has a big plaque with their names and how they came to the center. This is a rescue center where the animals have all been harmed or uh, mistreated in some way. And they're unable because of their past to be released back into the wild. So they come to the rescue center to spend the remainder of their lives. They're well taken care of there by the center. It was fascinating to see so many different beautiful incredible tropical animals all in one place they looked really well cared for which was awesome the guides were great we you know was able to talk to just a couple of them along the path we did a self-guided tour because the main tour guide already had a group when we arrived but reading the plaques and wandering and just seeing the different animals was really interesting and special engaging for the kids we probably only wandered around for about 45 minutes but it was well worth it and all of the kids have commented about how cool it was so I was glad that we made the quick stop at Las Pumas Rescue Center the other big huge win of that stop was that I landed in Costa Rica and realized that I didn't bring a Costa Rican bird book with me and I brought my binoculars I knew I was going to want to do some birding while I was here I mean what a place to do bird watching where there's like hundreds of different species of birds that all live in the you know in these small areas and so I was on the search from day one for a bird book and I even reached out to a birding expert whose website I found online who lives in Costa Rica to say where do you think I could find a bird book I could have easily ordered one on Amazon when I was at home or found one at at a bookstore and once I got here it just is not as easy there isn't like a regular bookstore around especially not with English books so I ducked into the gift shop at the Puma at Las Pumas Rescue Center and they had 
like the premier Costa Rican birding book in English in the gift shop. And I was so glad because I had looked all over Liberia. I had, you know, called a couple of places. I actually even called the Hilton Garden Inn is like the main uh, hotel right by the Liberia airport because it caters so much to Americans. I figured maybe they would have something in the gift shop and, and I wasn't able to find it there. So this was a huge win for me. And I'm so glad that I got it before we went up to La Carolina Lodge because once we got there, the list of birds that I had seen and could identify skyrocketed. This place is incredible. The lodge itself is called La Carolina Lodge. It's in Bihawa, which is a very small area up north. It's nearby some other volcanic activity, but not so centralized in a volcano like um, Buena Vista is connected to Rincón de la Vieja. La Carolina Lodge is a family-owned group of cabins. There's a main lodge and then there's a group of small, beautiful cabins tucked right along a river um, up kind of in out of the way in this area. And from there, you can kind of take off and do some different types of tours. Uh, but the beauty of the lodge is being there. It's unreal. It's just such a beautiful place, so well cared for, so well designed. It feels like you have snuck into a hidden rainforest garden and that you just get to exist there for a while. There's a platform down on the river. You can swim in the watering hole of this river. It's a fresh, cold river. It was really refreshing to swim in. They've built a really incredible hot tub on the river. So it's right next to the river where they are piping water from the river in and around a wood-burning fire pit, basically. And then the water releases into the hot tub. So it's a full hot tub next to a cold river. I've seen similar wood-fired hot tubs like on Scandinavian websites. And uh, when we lived in Texas and went to West Texas, we could rent a big Dutch tub, it was called, where they, you know, they light a wood-burning fire in this little thing next to it and it pipes the water in and through and heats it. Uh, It was a really beautiful use of that technology just right on the riverside. You're surrounded by nature, just really immersed in it. They have these beautiful little stoops where they put fresh fruit in the morning to attract tropical birds. And I could have sat there all day. I mean, I I counted like two dozen varieties of tropical birds within 20 minutes of sitting and watching the birding stations. So glad I had my book because I could start identifying them. These are so unfamiliar to me. It's not like cardinals and robins and uh, magpies. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? They're so beautiful. This is where if you followed along on Instagram, you saw that I was able to see a tree full of nests of Montezuma or Opendula birds. They're hanging baskets. These birds weave these baskets and hang them from the branches of trees to lay their eggs in. And when we were there, the nestlings had all hatched. And so I looked up at this tree. I had this like very spiritual, emotional experience of wandering over right at dusk. As the sun was setting, a guide at the lodge had told me, oh, Uh, that bird, I had noticed a bird and said, oh my goodness, that bird's gorgeous. And he said, that bird is an oropendula and they have their nest hanging in the tree over there. And so I had wandered down by myself and I turned the corner and just saw this massive tree 
with all of these little hanging birds nests and all of these little chirps just the whole tree was filled with little chirping nestlings that are all you know alive being fed by their mamas getting ready to take off on their own and you know big the birds are pretty big the montezuma oropendolas are are pretty big birds and they would swoop in and tuck themselves into a nest with some food and then come out again and swoop away it's just like a really a really beautiful moment and felt really unique like something that i had never imagined and and didn't ever plan to have as an experience it was really beautiful there at the lodge, they have several different activities that you can do on site. In the morning, every morning they do a, a farm tour, another farm tour. Uh, again, the food, most of the food that they serve on site is grown or raised in their own farm. So we all got a chance to milk some of the cows. We got to go see where they have the fryer chickens and the egg laying chickens and the um, pigs they keep on site. Later on that day, we decided to do another horseback ride because they offer horseback rides around the property. And the guide at the main guide, um, Alejandro at La Carolina Lodge is just really a special guy. And I could tell from talking to him about the birds that if we went on a horseback ride with him, it'd be really fun because he'd be able to point out and tell us about things that otherwise we wouldn't learn about. So at this point, Plum's feeling really confident. Remember, she was not feeling very confident confident on her horse the first time we did it. On this ride, she figured it out and got her her horse riding confidence. And it was really awesome to watch her go from being a little nervous about it to feeling super comfortable riding around on her own and using her reins to steer her horse. Uh, we on this ride saw a couple really cool things. One was a viper curled up on a branch of a tree and Alejandro had like grabbed a stick and used a stick to lift up the leaf to show us where it was. I would never have seen it. I would have gone right past it. Really fascinating, a little nerve wracking. Snakes can be kind of scary. And that reminds me, I forgot to tell you a story about the Buena Vista Lodge. I'll come back to it. The other amazing thing that we saw on this horseback ride was a speckled owl, a spectacled owl, nestling. So owls are kind of tricky to see in general because they're nocturnal and they're, you know, pretty um, shy. They don't like, you know, come hang out in your yard usually. And so this speckled owl, we didn't see the adult owl, but Alejandro told us that the owl had laid eggs in a tree trunk and that the baby owl was now being raised and they stay in the nest for about 12 weeks uh, is what I read online about 12 to 16 weeks before they take off and so it's a, a baby owl where the full top of its head is white and it has these big black eyes like a big black mask on his face And he was able to point it out to us and we could see it through our binoculars, which was, again, really cool. Just kind of a a very unique experience that you would only get with a really experienced guide who paid attention to the natural world around him and and what's happening. It was, um, again, fascinating, especially for me with my, you know, my recently acquired in the last few years obsession and love of birds. It was really, really cool and felt like a special experience and the kids really loved seeing it too. Before I tell you about our chocolate making workshop, which is what came next, I'm going to just give you a quick scary story 
of uh, the last, on the morning we left Buena Vista Lodge, we opened the doors to our cabins and there's like a little tiny garden pathway in front and there was a snake on it. And the kids were like, hey mom, look, here's a snake. And I came out and was like, oh yeah, there is a snake right there. It was a little bit coiled at the front. It wasn't very big. It was probably a foot and a half long. And I told the kids, don't touch it. You know, Milo was like, can I try to catch it? I was like, no, do not touch that snake. But if you want to take a picture of it, you can. So we were all standing around this snake. We're about three feet away from it. Plum has her little Instax camera that she uses on vacations. And she, you know, got a little closer. I was like, okay, that's close enough. You know, she took a picture and I took some pictures. We took a video. We were like, wow, cool nature. And then we, we went, you know, up to breakfast. So the next day we arrive at La Carolina Lodge and we're meeting people and kind of getting settled in. And I talked to Alejandro, who's the main guide there and this, you know, naturalist. And he, I was asking about the birds and about some of the other animals. And he was telling me about how he had just seen a viper. And he showed me a picture on his phone of this eyelash viper that he had seen up on the trail. And I was like, oh, wow, that's incredible. And, you know, told him about how when I was here years ago, backpacking, I had seen an eyelash viper and I didn't know what it was until later. Like I looked it up later and realized, you know, there's this wild, wildly venomous snake, you know, sunning on the trail. And I walked around it and anyway, reminded me, oh, yeah, we saw a snake yesterday. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'll show you the picture. So I pull out my phone and I show him this picture of the snake that was two feet away from all of my kids. And his eyes go wide and his face gets a little paler. And he says, that's a terciopelos, which I, of course, have no idea what he's talking about. He said, that snake is the most dangerous snake in Central America. It is the most venomous snake that we have in Costa Rica. And it was my turn for my eyes to go wide and my face to go white as he tells me that because of its size, that was probably a baby who then can't control their venom output. And if it had bit one of my kids, they likely would not have survived. At this point, I'm very glad that it's the next day and that indeed we all survived our encounter with the terciopelos, or I think it's also called a fur de lance. Uh, and I maybe shouldn't have told my kids that, but I, I circled back around and found my kids and said, okay, listen, that snake we saw was incredibly dangerous and we should have run the other way when we saw it rather than circle around it and take pictures and videos. So we did a little bit of brushing up on our, our venomous snake understanding and feel super grateful that we did not have a very sad encounter with a venomous snake. During the rest of our stay at La Carolina Lodge, uh, it was clear that Alejandro had shared that story with a couple other people because um, I, I noticed some looks and I, you know, asked a couple of the other people about like, oh, did you hear about our snake encounter? And they're like, yeah, you're really lucky. So uh, really, yeah, we feel very lucky. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. 
Find Reese's now at a store near you. Leaving our snake story behind, we are going to move on to the chocolate workshop. There is, there's just a few areas in the world where cacao grows easily, and Costa Rica happens to be one of them. It's just got the right temperature, the right environment, the right level of humidity and heat for cacao to grow fairly easily. And it doesn't grow in the whole country. It only grows in certain parts of the country. One of them is up in Bihawa, Alajuela, Upala, north where we were. We saw that there was a local farm. It was about um, 10 minute drive from La Carolina Lodge that did a chocolate tour and a workshop where you can make your own chocolate bars. I thought the kids would love this. I love chocolate. We thought this would be really great. So we drove over. And what I expected was to like walk through the farm and see the growing process and the fruit and the fermentation. And every, I think every other time I've come to Costa Rica, I've done a chocolate tour. I really love seeing the process and seeing the the farms. And Dave and I did when the last time we were here, I did it when I very first came, we did it as a family, um, you know, 10 years ago. So it felt really like something that we love doing when we're here. And so I expected the farm piece and we just did the workshop piece. I, I didn't realize when I signed up that there's two different types. I could have done a farm tour and then the workshop separate, and I had just signed up for the workshop. So now I know next time we would do the farm tour in addition to the workshop. Because I've done it myself, I felt like, ah, that's fine. We were able to walk around a little bit just on the campus of the farm and see some chocolate uh, fruit growing on the trees, and so we were able to show the kids and tell them a little bit about it them are you know ourselves and their patience level was probably fine to just do the workshop which ended up being really great we started with roasted chocolate beans and then ground them down and separated the shells from the nibs we you know we actually roasted the beans we separated the the nibs from the crust we then ground the nibs down into paste and then we did the conching process of putting the chocolate the ground down chocolate bean in with cocoa butter and powdered milk and sugar because we had opted to do milk chocolate. That was the children's decision, not mine. And then watched, you know, as it started to conch. And they explained to us that the conching takes place over 24 to 48 hours. But since we were doing this workshop, they had conched some the day before. So, you know, we set our machine aside. It was kind of like a cooking show where they're like, and you pull it out of the oven one second later. So here's the 24-hour process that now is this beautiful, silky smooth chocolate ready to be poured into forms and this was really fun for the kids we were able to pour our own bars and then they had a bunch of different toppings that you could add to them chocolate nibs um, powdered coffee bean you know like ground coffee beans coconut different types of nuts and raisins and chili powder and so we uh, each made our own bars and hilariously and we ended up with about five pounds of chocolate so much chocolate um all of these bars that we had made and it's been really fun actually because we did keep them in a cooler on our drive out to the beach but we have just kept them in the fridge and now three and a half weeks later we're almost out of chocolate I thought for sure like what are we going to do when we have to you know pack this home but we've been steadily eating through our chocolate supply we haven't had to buy chocolate one time since then we you know did our chocolate workshop and have so, had so much chocolate and individual chocolates with different, you know, flavors and different stuff that we put in them. Uh, the kids loved it and they've, I think, loved having an endless supply of chocolate for the last few weeks. So that was also really 
great. The chocolate farm that we went to was called um, Farm La Amistad. And I will, I'm going to just like link all of these different places in short form uh, in the show notes. So if you're building an itinerary or looking at a trip to Costa Rica, you can easily access them kind of just in one chunk at the top of the show notes, which the show notes are always at livefreecreative.co slash podcast. Uh, you can look for this episode number 251 to find all of that information. So I'm almost to the end of our adventure week. We finished the chocolate workshop, soaked in the hot tub a little bit more, and slept uh, one more night at La Carolina Lodge, woke up, had an incredible breakfast, and then started driving down to Nosara. It's about a four-hour drive from Bihawa, where we were, out to the beach. And I wanted to break it up with a lunchtime activity. And so we drove about two and a half hours to uh, El Viejo, Hacienda El Viejo, which is right on the Palo Verde National Park River. It's the Tempisque River, which is known in the country for being full of crocodiles. And this is why we went to go on a crocodile boat tour. When we arrived at Hacienda del Viejo, which is kind of in the middle of nowhere in all of these, you know, cane fields, we uh, were welcomed and went in and had a buffet lunch to start our activity, our tour, which was really great to stretch our legs and have a great meal, you know, use the restroom and kind of shake off the drive. And then we headed over about 15 minute drive away to the boat launch dock. And this is where we met our boat guide and hopped onto the boat. Our family was alone on this boat at the time of day we chose. Uh, There was no one else with us. So the boat probably fits 25 or 30 people, but it was just the five of us and our guide and the the boat captain. It was really cool to have kind of a private tour. And we launched off. Within 30 seconds of launching, I looked over to my left and saw a giant crocodile on the shore. We took pictures and videos. And then from then, for the next 45 minutes probably every three to four minutes we spotted a crocodile, whether it was in the water, coming up on the land, sunning on the beach, a little beady eye looking out at us. Uh, There were crocodiles truly everywhere. And then there were so many cool birds to be right along the water like that. uh, The first bird that we saw, my jaw was on the floor. It was so beautiful. It was called a tiger heron. I am very familiar with the great blue heron that we see often in Richmond along the James River. The tiger heron has a yellow throat and black and white striped neck and is big like a blue, like a great blue, but, but colorful. I mean, it was like, what is this incredible bird? We saw green heron. We saw little blue heron. We saw three different kinds of kingfishers. There were iguanas also all over the place and We got to see a couple cool basilisk lizards. They are these funky little green lizards that are able to run on water. They have these really long toes and they run across the top of the water. It's just kind of wild. Toward the end of the boat tour, our guides really felt bad we hadn't seen monkeys yet. And we were like, we've seen monkeys. We saw them at Buena Vista. We heard them at La Carolina Lodge. We actually, we saw, I didn't mention this, but we, La Carolina Lodge has a resident sloth. They have a few on the property, but one that, that their favorite tree happens to be right in kind of the middle of the property. And so we were able to see it on both days up hanging out in the tree, just stretching out, doing its thing. So really fun to see a sloth. Sloths are 
very common in Costa Rica, and I think it's a it's kind of a bucket list item for people who travel here. So it's always nice to see a sloth when we're here. And the, our guides really wanted us to see monkeys, so we drove downriver for a while until we spotted a, a big troop of howler monkeys up in the trees. And they were pretty far away, but still always fun to see them. And then we headed back. Um, we spent another about hour doing a cultural tour at Hacienda El Viejo where we were able to see sugarcane. This is a cane region. Like there were fields of sugarcane all around uh, Hacienda El Viejo. So it was fun to see the sugarcane, how they use an ox who's trained to just walk in circle to help m- move the machine that grinds the sugarcane into juice. And then they boil the juice down into the raw sugar and it comes in blocks and you know, it's been used for hundreds of years like that. Um, we tried some sugarcane candies and we made some tortillas on an open fire and just had a kind of a nice cultural moment uh, before we hopped back in the car and headed out to the beach. So that Hacienda El Viejo boat tour at Palo Verde was our halfway point between La Carolina Lodge and heading out to Nosara. And so we were able to finish up the day pulling into Nosara Beach Town, where we were able to check into our beach house and enjoy diving into the less adventurous, more relaxing, more kind of rhythm of hanging on the beach for a few weeks phase of this trip. That's where I'm going to leave you for today. I hope that you've enjoyed hearing about our Anderson Puerto Vida Adventure Week, the first week of our trip. And if you're looking for ideas for traveling with your family to Costa Rica, I'll share where we stayed and the activities that we did in the show notes. And I can't wait to share with you next week about what these last few weeks have looked like hanging out on the beach, some of the places that we've eaten and the activities that we've done out here. And overall, just how amazing it's been to have this opportunity and to take advantage of it as a family. I have thought recently about how different seasons of our lives have different opportunities that arise and sometimes we take advantage of them and sometimes we don't and the the opportunity season goes away it's not that the opportunities themselves leave but just that like the time of life where it seems like things kind of converge to like this is the moment might pass and I've just been so grateful this trip every time I look around and my kids are just they feel like really great ages for a trip like this where they are interested and curious and they're old enough to be you know somewhat independent Milo and Elliot can walk out to the beach together they can stay in a hotel room by themselves together um we they they're they're in an interesting dynamic right now where they are friends and enemies (laughs) so they you know still bicker and and quarrel and also have a lot of fun together Dave and I have been soaking in moments of watching them cheer each other on and watching them uh, play together and playing together with them. You know, we've bought, bought and brought some board games and we've had some incredible family experiences. And while the trip itself is amazing, I mean, this is going to sound very cliche, but my favorite parts have been watching and experiencing my family in a new way. And these experiences and adventures are one of the keys that's unlocking some of that uh, connection and some of that togetherness and also you don't have to go to Costa Rica to intentionally connect and have new experiences with your family 
So that's where I'm going to leave you. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Like I mentioned, it's not a typical one. Um, you know, you'll have to find your own lessons in <laughs> the, the things that I shared today. Maybe one of them is to like read up on snakes before you go to the rainforest. Um, but I will be back next week, um, probably recording from the car in front of the beach house again and uh, update you on the last half of our trip. And then I'll be back home in Richmond for the following episodes and kind of jumping back into a little bit more of a typical groove. I hope you have a wonderful week and I will talk with you again next time. Bye-bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.